Welcome to Basecamp for Men. I'm your host, Tony Rezac. This is the show that gives you insights and resources on how to live a more courageous life. We'll be looking at men, the current state of masculinity, and how to create a more inspiring narrative for all men. Welcome and let's get started. Before we get started, if you've been a fan of the show and wish to support us, there are two ways. One, please consider a monthly donation of whatever is comfortable for you. You can do so at www.basecamp-podcast.com and the support donate tab. And if you've not done so, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you, listeners. I deeply appreciate it. As we have watched the events of the past couple of years unfold, there was something that was coming into clearer and clearer focus for many of us, that we have inverted our ladder of authority. We have forgotten our own sovereignty, instead giving our power over to the state and worse yet, the media-driven narrative. It was shocking to me to watch people I care about capitulate so easily. I watched a level of obedience that scared me. It still scares me. I know some feisty people, but I haven't seen many who were expressing much of this during this so-called pandemic. And I naturally started to gravitate to those that were asserting their strength and their freedom and know their rights, like my guest today. I quickly and quietly left circles that were too conformist and whose narratives were driven by fear. It's just not for me. This episode is in the same vein as the one I did back with Paul Remington Jones, which I know that many of you enjoyed. So if you like the content today, and you want to give that one a listen, it is at episode 87, Standing in Strength. I also find it a bit interesting that of the four archetypes that we use in men's work, the one that men consistently have difficulty accessing, myself included, is the king or sovereign. It seems Americans have gotten flabby as to our constitutional rights, and I see this all over the place. We will need citizen leaders in this area in the coming months and years if we are to restore the republic, something that I believe we are in the process of doing, whether you are aware of it or not. It may be just time for you to roll up your sleeves and start to educate yourself in common law, the Bill of Rights, and the U.S. Constitution. Learning or relearning this will only give you strength and confidence in both yourself and the direction we are heading. Our foundation is strong, and it gets stronger each time a citizen becomes clear as to where his or her authority comes from. I invite you today into deeper learning in this area of study. My guest today is Peter Stone. He is a thought leader in the area of empowering citizens to live in their own power and sovereignty. He's also the founder of The Sovereign Project. Here is my interview with Peter Stone. All right. I am here with Peter Stone of The Sovereign Project. Peter, welcome to Basecamp for Men. It's great to have you on the show. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. You and I connected uh, yesterday and and got to chatting. and, you know, you're the founder of the Sovereign Project and, and people maybe over here. Where are you at? You're over in the UK, right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, uh, I like to say England because obviously UK refers to the corporation. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so <good>. England. <laughs> England, exactly, exactly. Yeah. How, how long ago did you start the Sovereign Project? Why did you start the Sovereign Project and kind of what is it about right now? Sure, yeah. Um, well, I've been working on it about a decade now to be honest with you researching a whole load of things um and i basically knew that the lockdown was coming in 2020 anyway and i was trying to warn a lot of people and i thought i was a crazy person um but it really started um just after christmas um you know i was getting out there on the internet uh, i connected with a lot of people who think the same as me um, they needed some help with uh, law and legal 
and uh, we set up a website and now we've got hundreds of members now and we're all learning about common law and the law of equity. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And it, it, you know, it's starting to happen here. I interviewed a, a young man, uh, Paul Remington Jones, uh, a few episodes back. Um, so it's it's your work is starting to have an impact here. And there's been people here that are picking it up and starting to educate mm. themselves. Because I'll tell you one thing. I live in a very blue liberal area of the United States. And it is shocking to me the level of compliance here. Like yes. as soon as the governor says, oh, I'm giving a mandate to this, everybody does it, you know, except for a few of us. And it's just like, <laughs> wow, it's it's shocking to me the level. I don't know what's going on over there in the UK. I see it seems like you guys are are, are out in the streets and protesting a lot more than the United States, although the United States is starting to wake up, which is a good yes. thing. Um, but do you see that too? Or are people pretty clear, like, no mandates from, you know, uh, the, the, the prime minister or mandates from the health minister are not law. Are they, are you more clear over there? Do you see more? Yes. People? Yeah. 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 Tell you what's going is I think the mainstream media is painting different pictures of different countries on different news outlets. So, hmm. you know, from your point of view, you might look at what's going on in uh, England or something and it looks terrible. Yeah. But in reality, there's been no lockdown for me. I mean, the mandates don't apply to me anyway, so I just carried on as normal. Yeah. Um, so a lot of it is exaggerated on mainstream media, makes things look more scary than they are. But what I've noticed is there's a turning point happening in England. People are beginning to learn the difference between lawful and legal. And although you've got corporations that are trying to impose mandates, they know they can't. Okay, mm -hmm. so let's just touch on mandates very quickly. And, and yep. I, I want to get this point out to everybody listening. Do not be afraid of mandates. I want everyone to understand this. A mandate only applies to you if you've signed a contract before the mandate. So let me be clear. You have to sit down with a person. You agree to the mandate, you sign it, the other person signs it, and then in the future, that person can then mandate you. Mm. If someone tries to mandate you without a contract that you signed, that's unlawful, that's a crime, and you can go after them for a lot of money. And there's a lot of businesses here in England are waking up to this, and they do not want to be sued. Yeah. So it's turning. People are, people are switching the computer on, they're doing the research, and they're realizing that legal refers to a contract, okay? So when someone says to you, it's illegal, the next thing you should ask is, well, where's the contract? Did I yeah. sign that contract? Yeah. And the answer is no. So legal, illegal refers to a contract and it's not the same as lawful and unlawful. That's beautifully said, really nice. And, also, and also, it's happening here. You're seeing a lot of, I think companies thought, you know, I mean, sure, there's corrupt leadership in some corporations here, but oh, I sure. think I think you know the the the, the small to medium sized companies, maybe with good men and women at the top of their executive. Mm -hmm. You know, I think they were thinking, well, we're doing the right thing by going along with the mandates, not understanding mm -hmm. that that the governor was kicking them to the front lines to unlawfully say you got to mm -hmm. do this. And now I think they're also some of them are starting to get hip to like, wait a minute, wait a minute. We we're on the wrong side of this. We need to side with the people, not this ridiculous mandate from the health department. <laughs> I mean, who is this bureaucrat who's telling us what to do, right? And so I yeah. think I think you're starting to see it. It's interesting that you said, you know, the, the media's perception in different parts of the world 
uh, may be quite different. I, I, I was asking you yesterday about Australia because it looks mm. – you see like it looks really bad and heavy-handed in Australia. But mm. then I talked to some of my people down there and they're like, no, it's not exactly that. In fact, it seems like the police are starting to come over to our side of the fight. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. That's not what they're saying on the media. Now, I don't, I can't speak about what it's like in Melbourne and Sydney. I think yeah. there has been an attempt to really be strong-arming the, the, we the people there. But sometimes perceptions of what's going on could be drastically different because the media is so corrupt, right? Absolutely correct. Yeah. I think there's a lot of that going on. You know, uh, we all know about the, uh, the peaceful protests. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is going on in England as well. Um, where they're actually peaceful marches. I think the protests, people have, have woken up to that. They realize that protests don't work mm-hmm. and you shouldn't be protesting anyway because who are you protesting against? So that's something people need to wake up to. And also petitioning. That's another thing that a lot of people waste their time on because, yeah. again, who are you petitioning? So I'm seeing a slight change. People are being peaceful. They're just doing a peaceful march, like enjoying the day and say, look, we're out with, you know, another million of my friends, <laughs> not yeah. just a few hundred like the mainstream media tends to portray. Sure. And then the police will come in and then they cause a scene. They will provoke. We've seen this. Yeah. Now, this is an old tactic. They've been doing this since the 70s, like in the miners' strike back then. But back then, we didn't have the internet and we didn't have our mobile phones and other technologies. Yeah. So now people are recording this stuff it's going up on their social media and it's almost going viral. So we know before the BBC even reports on the news and we know the truth. Yeah. So people are waking up and I think that's happening in other countries as well. It's becoming a peaceful thing and there's not much violence and the violence that is being caused is being caused by the police. The mainstream media are reporting on it and then they're just scaring other countries like, look at this, look at what's going on, you know, police state sort of thing. I think it's grossly exaggerated. Yeah, they're, they're trying to make it look like everything's coming unraveled and, oh, no, yes. that's bad for you guys. Not the old system may be teetering and we, the people, are actually finding our strength and finding our sovereignty, which is a completely yeah. different – that would be a completely different news story. <laughs> you know what I mean? So Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So when you say – I mean, there's a part of me that thinks that if you organize and still pro- – is your, is your point about the protest, like, stop – the protest kind of legitimizes mm-hmm. uh, the the system. Is that what you're saying? Yes. How else do you how else do you make change? Otherwise, it's just each individual claiming their sovereignty. But how do we organize right. to strengthen us as a collective? I guess is one question I have. That's correct. Yes, you're absolutely. That's that's spot on. Um, in fact, some of these protests were actually there's evidence to show that some of these protests were actually set up by the government themselves mm-hmm. <laughs> because the protesting legitimizes government. Now, this is what some people well, some people are already waking up to this, um, but more people need to understand this. The government doesn't exist, okay? And I, I might sound like a crazy person, but just from, just know this: the government is a legal fiction. It mm-hmm. only exists on paper, okay? Politicians exist. The the people behind these titles, like MP or statesman or whatever, yes, they do exist. But then you can hold them accountable. Now, when you understand the government itself doesn't exist, only people do, then the battlefield looks much smaller. Mm. And now you can start going after these individuals that have been trying to mandate things unlawfully. Now, 
The thing with protests and petitions, again, uh, petitions that just touch on that for a second, a lot of these petitions that are sent out there on social media are actually set up by governments. Mm. So don't fall into that trap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's just a legitimized government. So I think this, I mean, a lot of people say this is World War Three. Um, mm-hmm. I sort of tend to agree. And this is a completely different war that we've ever seen before. Um, I think the battlefield is basically going to be online and in the courts using documents and equity law, like notices and affidavits and all this. Mm. I think this is where the battle is going to be before yeah. it gets to actual true violence. And if the government actually goes that far, if they actually decide to ignore law and actually go, you know what, we're just going to go pure tyrannical Nazi violence, then okay, we're going to be talking a completely different game. But yeah. we're not there yet. Yeah, uh, I agree. I don't I agree. think we're going to get there. Truthfully, I don't think so. Um, I don't. I don't either. You know what's going on here? I don't know if you've been following it, but I can just give you a snapshot of it. Is we're in a unconventional war mm-hmm. um, and an information war where the enemy of we the people owns all the mainstream media channels. So they're trying to keep everybody in the dark that we have compromised leaders. Uh, that have been the deep state that has been in bed with the CCP and have slowly using Marxist communist Mm -hmm. tactics tried to erode the free republic from the inside out. That's why you have all this, you know, you have Antifa, you have the the educations now um, really teaching kids to hate the country and everything we stand for, saying that we're a racist country by nature. You should be ashamed. You should be ashamed (laughs) of yourself for your white skin. Uh, And just, just, and then the gender fluidity, you know, just like, they're just confusing. They're not educating the children. And so this has been, this is part of the war. And I think what's going to be coming out, you might not be getting the news over there, or you might be Mm -hmm. finding, finding it in citizen journalists is that, um, it's funny because you look at the mainstream media and they go, Oh, these odd, these forensic audits, what a bunch of jokes. But, (laughs) but when you read citizen journalists, you know the hammer's coming and that there's plenty of evidence that there's been treason. And President oh, yes. President Trump, before he left office, signed a number of executive orders addressing this very thing. So it starts to look a little bit like a sting operation where um, uh, patriots and an inner circle have sort of laid a trap to say, we got to show the American people how close this came to being a totalitarian sort of CCP type mm-hmm. uh, uh, government. And mm-hmm. many of the listeners might be going, that's insane. How? What evidence? But the evidence is there and it's actually going to be coming to light. Um, and so I don't know if you're seeing any of that. We, we, we are completely in a war but most of the citizens here don't realize that, <laughs> which mm-hmm. is absurd. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely correct. Um, a lot of people, I and mean, we call them the sheep. <laughs> I don't know about you. Yeah, that's Over what we in call them. Yep, the sheeple. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, the sheeple. You yep. know, walking down the street wearing three masks. Yep. And I, I, I don't even know where to begin with these people. I, you know. I know. I, I, I mean, when I started the Sovereign Project, I, I wanted to save everyone, um, but I've had to. I don't know, come to terms with the fact <laughs> I can't. Okay, so you know, I can't. I, yeah. I, I'm just. I'm just going to save the people who want to be saved. Exactly. Um, that's very wise. But yeah, that's all I can do. But yeah, you're absolutely correct. Most people have no clue what's going on in the world. None at all. Yep. Um, they don't even understand the birth certificate. They don't even understand how money works. Um, I know. You know. I know. You know, fiat currency. You say to the average person, explain what fiat currency is. They don't know. What's quantitative easing? 
Don't know. How does the stock market work? Don't know. How do yeah. government bonds work? Don't know. It goes on and on and on. So if you don't even have a basic foundation of how the world works, you're never going to wake up. And then if I tell the truth, I'll sound like a crazy person. Don't know about right. you. <laughs> right, right. No, totally. You know, what's interesting, I saw a recent poll, speaking to that point of yours, I saw a recent poll that the majority of Americans do not know the Federal Reserve is a private mm. is a private entity. Yes. They think, yes, no, no, those, those are the good guys. Those are <laughs> those are the government. It's like, no, that is private. Oh, that's private no. banking. Did you not know that? Just because it says federal <laughs> in the name doesn't mean it's not. That's private. right. You know, it's like that's you have to look beyond that. Um, yes, sir. And, and speaking of money, I wanted to ask you something about that. So here we have this, uh, you know, in 2008, the whole fiat currency nearly crumbled. Yes. And, and there's a lot of murmurings right now by futurists, by visionaries, that the fiat currency is it's just a matter of time before yes. it completely crumbles. So, you know, I, I, for one, do not keep a ton of money in the bank because I don't think it's mm, safe. Smart move. But beyond gold and silver, then we have this cryptocurrency emerging. And even that is like, I, it, my sense of the crypto is it's going to go in that direction, but I think the deep state probably has a crypto they would like to do where they where they can tie it to mandatory vaccines and all the things. And then Correct. there's going to be a we the people currency that might be quite different. And so it's a little bit difficult to decide which horse to bet on. Mm. So I've kind of, you know, I've, I don't put a lot of money in crypto, a lot of faith, but I've kind of started to hedge a little bit over there because I really do believe the future belongs to crypto, but it has to be the right system that's for we, the people yeah. and for a sovereign, a sovereign's world, not a debt slaved fiat currency or a debt slaved uh, uh, digital currency that mm. just replaces. So what are your thoughts on that? I, I'm still kind of, I'm watching it. I'm interviewing people and talking to them and, you know, everybody's kind of like, let's see what happens. I'm not really quite sure. Uh, you know, I own this and this, but uh, you know, I avoid that one. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on crypto and, and fiat right now? Yeah, yeah, pretty much the same as you. Mm. Um, yes, I mean, going back to the 2008 financial crisis, there is some evidence to say that that was actually staged. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying that the financial system is not teetering on the brink. It is. Yeah. Because um, when I was doing the research uh, a few years ago on this, um, I think I checked that the global debt um, was somewhere between, this is global debt, was somewhere between 1.7 and 2.5 quadrillion dollars. <laughs> yeah, quadrillion, that's a thousand trillion. And the entire global GDP was about 78 trillion. So that just goes to show just how absolutely overbalanced this is with debt. So it looks like what was going on in 2008, they staged this um, credit thing, made it look worse than it was, mm -hmm. so that they were given 10 years to put things in place. So what's been going on is governments and banks of basically getting out of the system and then putting all this debt, if you like, onto the people. I mean, I'm just giving you the bullet points, sure. you know, basic level there. That's yeah. what they've been doing. Um, let's touch on the bank as well. It's a smart, you said you don't have much money in the bank. That's a very smart move because most people don't know is when you put money in the bank, it's no longer yours. It's mm. actually owned by the bank. Mm. And if the bank crashes and collapses, you've got nothing. Mm. And all the governments in the world have set bail-ins, which means when there's the next financial crisis, you've lost everything. That's your savings in your bank account. So how do you sort of save yourself from this? Well, I was saying to people back in 2015, I think gold is going to go up. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I got into gold then. It's now doubled in value approximately. You know, we've, had, we've had some dips. You know, We've had some high points. It's pulled back. Um, I think gold and silver is the best, easiest way to save your wealth. Yeah. And if this, the credit system actually crashes, which I think it will, the ATMs won't work, you won't be able mm-hmm. to use your debit cards and all this, you're going to be using silver coins to buy things. And I think a silver coin, one silver coin today is worth about 25 pounds, yep. which is, I don't know, about 30-something dollars or something. Yep. that sounds That'll right. Probably, yeah. yeah, it sounds about right. Um, that'll get you a month's shopping. Yeah. So just, you know, with the, with the um, adjustment. But touching on the cryptos, um, I've been, I, I mean, I've got some cryptos myself, but it's more of a hedge. Yeah, me um, too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everyone's up, you know, everyone can make their own decision whether they go all in on crypto and then which one do you want to do? Um, I know a lot of people don't like Bitcoin, but I think it looks like Bitcoin was the chosen coin for the government. It looks like it was a Trojan horse. Yep. Um, just take a look at what's happening. A lot of um, um, corporations are now getting into Bitcoin. And I know there's a lot of stuff going on in China. You know, that's that's so proper stuff. You know, where you see them uh, crushing the tap, you know, um, computer towers and all this. And yeah. oh, look, you know, but I think another country, I think it was, um, is it not Venezuela or something? But they've just made one uh, Bitcoin legal tender now. So yeah, I just I think I, that's going to be the main one. Bitcoin was too expensive when I started to get interested in crypto. Oh. So, so I, I mean, I basically went in on XRP and on Ethereum, but you know, only yeah. what I was comfortable losing. And I'm not a trader. I'm not looking to no. to try to time anything. I'm just saying, well, if it goes to this, let me have some of it and just hold it for a long, long time and see what happens. You know, yeah. it is like maybe, yeah. maybe that'll be worth you know a lot of money or some money or no money. Yeah. But it's no sweat off my back. Mainly, I'm trying to hedge because I'm like, I don't really trust the banks as no. we're heading into this time. It just looks like, you know, there's lots going on that maybe will threaten fiat uh, yes. because they just keep printing money. And I go, that is not a long-term solution <laughs> to this problem. You got so, that right. Yeah. So, so um, well, I just wanted the last question. I wanted to ask you if, you, if there was any resources, you know, we're going to, we're going to talk about Sovereign Project on my outro and, and point okay. people, point people there for sure. But is there any other, like if people want to learn about their own sovereignty other than the pro, uh, the project, what, what else would you point them to if they want to start to get educated in some of the things we're talking about, start to get educated mm. in being a sovereign citizen of the world? What, where would you point okay. them? Yeah. That's a difficult one. Um, yeah. There isn't many outlets talking yeah, about know. it. Yeah, I know, I um, know. Which is a shame. And to, to, to be honest with you, the idea of sovereignty is something you've got to, it's a journey you've got to make on your own. You've mm-hmm. got to make this decision on your own. You've got to say, you know what? I am sovereign. And by the way, sovereign is not a title, it's a status. Mm-hmm. And sovereign means having supreme authority over yourself, which means mm-hmm. you are responsible for yourself and you self-govern. Mm-hmm. So if you can make that journey on your own, you say, you know what? I can live my life and I can govern my own life, and I don't need people telling me what to do. If you're almost there, if you can do that, then I can help you protect your sovereignty by using the world of law, which would be mainly equity law. This is what we talk about in the uh, the workshop that I hold once a week. Mm. Um, and that's what the website's about. There's a lot of documents on there. It, it teaches people how to use notices and affidavits and, um, you know, um, what a lien is, all this, and how to use a lien. So if someone comes after you to say that um, you owe them, I don't know, I mean, over here we have council tax, which mm-hmm. is completely bogus and fraudulent. So if people say, look, I want to be protected from that, I'll show you the paperwork that will protect you from unfounded claims, like parking tickets, speeding tickets, that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's 
Sovereignty itself is a mindset, okay? Mm -hmm. I can't do that for people. They've got to do that on their own. Um, a lot of it is waking up. People say that a lot of people, you know, the term waking up is being used a lot. And I say, yes, there's a lot of people, people have woken up to what the government is doing, but they haven't woken up to the fact that the government doesn't have the right to do it. When you yeah. get that, you're going to have a, a shift and then things are going to start happening. That's beautiful. And you know, your website, I've downloaded all the PDFs and and, and read okay. them. Really informative, well-resourced. You've got mindset on there. You've got resources. When do people, uh, when, when is your workshop? When is that done, your weekly workshop? Yeah, we hold it on uh, Thursdays. Um, we, we, we normally start at a seven, finish at nine. It's been going on now for a good couple of months and, we've, and it's going to be ongoing because the idea of the workshop is this. Um, I show people how to do a notice and how the, the legal system works, how the lawful system works. We do different layers of law. We do the sovereign postulates. Then you've got a foundation. Then the, the workshop will turn into like a remedy factory. So if someone has a problem with a speeding ticket or something like that, they mm -hmm. can come to the workshop. You can speak with at least 70 people there because the workshop is usually like somewhere between 50 and 70 people. We all work on it together. So you're not alone. So it's not like, oh, no, how can I do all this paperwork? No, the workshop is there. We're all going to work together to create a remedy for you so you're not on your own and then you can get rid of these unfounded claims that are forced upon you. Beautiful. Well, Pete, thanks so much for coming on Basecamp for Men and sharing your story, your insight, and your wisdom. Uh, and thanks for all the great work you're doing leading this. Uh, we're, we're, we're following and we're awakening and we're awakening to our own sovereignty here over in the States. I can see it starting to build around me. So it's spreading. So the work you're doing is, is, is making a big impact. So keep up the great work. Come back and talk to us again as this unfolds a bit more and sure. uh, take good care of yourself. Thanks, Pete. Anytime. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed our interview with Peter Stone. I really enjoyed my time with him. If I was in the UK, I'd take him down to the pub and buy him a beer or two. To find all the great resources he has at The Sovereign Project, go to www.thesovereignproject.live and you can join for free and there are all sorts of resources there for you to start to empower yourself in all the ways that we talked about. If you find value in our show and wish to show us some love, we are now making that very easy to do. You simply go to www.basecampformen.com and click on Donate Support Basecamp. You'll find an easy way to make either monthly donations for as little as $5 a month, or you can donate just once. We love the monthly donation and hope to build this up over the coming months, but any show of support is greatly appreciated, honestly. Thank you for your support and for helping to keep Basecamp as a resource on your hero's journey. That's our show for today. Thank you for listening. Men, good luck in all your endeavors and good luck on your hero's journey. This is Tony Rezac and you're listening to Base Camp for Men.